Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, presented by Canon Press. This week's episode is a talk from Doug Wilson entitled, Growing Up Christian is Normal. Check out the full series, Growing Up Christian, on the Canon app. Psalm 102, verses 25 through 28. Psalm 102, 25 through 28. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak you will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we consider your word this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be present with us for Jesus' sake. We thank you that we can come before you in him, in his righteousness, and in his goodness, and pray to you and ask for these things in his name. And we do so now. Father, I pray that you would protect and oversee us as a a congregation of your people, I pray that your spirit would take the word that is spoken and apply it to our hearts, apply it to our families, apply it to our condition. And Father, as I speak to the children this morning, I pray that your spirit would quicken the understanding of those who are very young, and I pray that you would take all the things that the older uh, young people have learned and, and bring them together and tie them together in the, uh, within the boundaries of your word. Father, I pray you'd watch over us this morning, and I pray you do this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Well, turn, please, to the the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians, chapter 6. As I mentioned last week, I am addressing these sermons, uh, this sermon and the next three, to the young people in our church. I'm going to be addressing the children directly. As the Apostle Paul, when he's working through uh, various subjects in the book of Ephesians, he addresses different people in different stations. He, He speaks to husbands and he speaks to wives. He speaks to masters and he speaks to slaves. He also turns and briefly addresses the children of the church at Ephesus directly. Now this indicates that the children, it it is biblical and right and proper for the children who are part of God's church to be addressed directly and they have particular needs, particular circumstances, particular duties that they have to understand. And so what I'd like to do is uh, spend the next uh, few weeks addressing the kids, addressing the young people on what it is, what it means to grow up Christian. We're going to be talking about growing up Christian. In this first message, I want to talk about how normal it is. I want to talk uh, talk about how God uh, God's Word addresses the subject. Next week, I want to talk about uh, temptations, and the third week, temptations. Next week, I'm going to talk about those temptations that will accompany kids who grow up Christian throughout their lives as they spend their lives as Christians. The third week, I want to talk about those particular temptations that sometimes lure and entice kids who grew up in a covenant home, who grew up in a Christian church, what causes them to abandon that faith and walk away from it. I want to address those particular temptations the third week. And then in the last week, I want to talk about the means that God has given to you, uh, what, what God has supplied you with to enable you to grow up Christian successfully and obediently. But this week, I want to give you two things, and I would like... Uh, those of you who uh, that I'm addressing, I'd like you to walk away with two fundamental points. Number one, I want you to see from the Word of God how, how great a blessing it is to grow up in a Christian home. I want you to see how great a blessing it is to grow up, grow up Christian, grow up in a Christian home. And secondly, I want you to see how normal it is, how ordinary it is for uh, 
for children to be born into a home given by God to Christian parents and how normal it is, how ordinary it is for them to grow up and to follow the Lord for the rest of their lives and to bring up their children to follow the Lord. I want you to see how ordinary it is. And of course, I also want you to see the basis, uh, the basis for this. The text is Ephesians 6, and I'm going to read the portion that Paul addresses to Christian kids directly, and then I'm going to read the next verse that addresses their fathers, because there's something that the kids can learn in that verse as well. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, I want to remind you of something before we talk about your duties and before we talk about what God has given us here. I want to remind you of a fundamental truth about living, and that is how important it is for you to have a right understanding of the relationship of our duties that we must perform before God and the promises that God has given to us as his people. We have to have a right understanding of God's promises and our duties. God's promises are the foundation upon which we build our duties. One of the biggest mistakes that people make, especially religious people, especially people who grow up in a church, is they make the foundation of everything, they make the foundation of their Christian life, their duties, their performance, their attempts to be good. So they try to put their duties on the bottom and then have God's promises on top. But it's the other way around. God's promises are on the bottom, and your duties are a response to that. You build your duties upon, on, on top of God's promises. You know what this principle is. Those of you who are uh, very young know what it is to build a, a big tower out of blocks. You know what it is to try to build a great tower, see how high you can go. Now, when you want to build a tower out of blocks, you don't uh, rummage through the house and find a bunch of pillows and put a heap of pillows and then try to build a tower of blocks on top of pillows. Why don't you do that? Well, because pillows are bouncy and they'll, they'll wobble and they'll fall over and your tower will fall over. When you want to build a tower of blocks, you want a hardwood floor that's very smooth. You don't even want to build a tower of blocks on carpet. Right? You want something that's solid and firm and won't move. Well, God's promises are like that. They're solid and they're, they're firm and they don't move. And then your duties, the things that you are to do, are the blocks that you build on top of that foundation. But don't get it backwards. If you get it backwards, if you think that God is going to bless me because I'm a good person, because I'm a good kid, then you have everything backwards and you're trying to build a tower on, uh, on top of pillows. The thing that I want you to remember throughout this whole message and as you think about this is that we are talking about not how you can be a good kid because you're not a good kid. Nobody in this room was born a good kid. The Bible says that we are all by nature objects of wrath. All of us in our, in our being, in our nature, are objects of wrath. So I'm not giving you a series of messages on how to be a good Christian kid. The last thing this world needs is more good Christian kids. All right? What we need is a recognition among God's people that we serve a good God. The message is not that you are good children and that you must be good children. The message is that you must believe that God is a good God. Now, if you believe that God is a good God and that his promises are certain and that his promises are sure, then you've got a smooth floor to build on. Now the result is, when you understand how good God is, then your duties can be fulfilled and other people will think that you're good, but you know better. Right? Other people will say, you know, it's good that you, uh, you have this external blessing and, and that you're not a, 
a lawbreaker and you're not in jail and you're not on death row and my, you're a good person and you grew up in a good Christian home. Well, there's a very great blessing there, but you're not fooled by that because if you get it straight in your mind now that everything is built upon God's goodness and nothing is built upon our goodness, then you have a firm place to build. So I'm going to be addressing you in your duties, some, some of what I'm talking about. I will address your duties, but remember that all your, all your performance and all your doing of your duty is built upon God's goodness and God's promise. God's promises. Now, in this passage that I just read, there are two duties that are given. One is to obey, and the other is to honor. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then it says, honor your father and your mother. You have to get the order right. If you obey and if you honor, then God does promise to bless you after that. It says this is the first commandment with a promise. But we learn elsewhere in Scripture that we can't obey and we can't honor unless we first understand by faith that God's promises to us are good, that God's promises to us are firm and unshakable. So the order is this way. God's promise, then your response to God's promise, and then God's response to your obedience. Right, that's the order. But you must always begin with God's promise. Never, ever think. Never, ever think that what God wants to do is populate the world with good little church kids. That's the worst thing in the world. That this, that's the last thing we need is a bunch of good little church kids who are self-righteous and think they're good and think they're better than other people um, in themselves. They may receive God's blessing, and they do receive God's blessing, but this is because God is gracious and because God is good, not because we are good. So that's the first point. Now, in this passage, I have listed on the outline five things that we can derive from this passage. The first thing is that children of believers may obey their parents in the Lord. It's important that we distinguish this from obeying our parents for the Lord. We're to, Christian kids are to grow up obeying their parents in the Lord. They're not, outside, they're not detached from the Lord, and then they come to the Lord because they obeyed their parents and they did a good thing. You are to grow up in the Lord, and you're to grow up obeying your parents in the Lord. You're not supposed to say, well, I'm over here by myself, and I'm going to do this good thing, and I'm going to give this good thing to God, and so God will receive me because I did a good thing. That's not the way it is. God already did a good thing by putting you in the Christian home that he put you in. And there you are. Why, why are you there? Because God put you there. Why weren't you born into another home? Why weren't you born on another continent? Why weren't you born elsewhere? Because God put you where he wanted to. He wanted you in the home that he placed you in, and your duties are to grow out of that. And you're to obey your parents there in the Lord. The second thing is that children of believers may do what is right. Children of believers may do what is right. It says, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, many people have an idea that you can only start doing what is right when you're 21 or when you're 18 or when you're 14 or when you get to a certain age. The Bible doesn't teach that. When you're two years old, you can do what is right for a two-year-old. When you're four years old, you can do it as right for a four-year-old. When you're six years old, you can do it as right for a six-year-old. At two years, you can obey or disobey. At four years, you can obey or disobey. When you're 16, you can obey or disobey. When you're 18, you can obey or disobey. Children of all ages can do what is right, and children of all ages can do what is wrong. So God says that children of believers may do what is right. Now, if they're doing what is right, they're doing it in the Lord. If they're doing what is right, they're not trying to get into the Lord. They're not trying to 
come into a Christian family, they're already in a Christian family, and growing up in this Christian family, they can do what is right. So never think, kids, that you, you're going to start doing what is right when you're 10. I, you know, when I'm, when I'm 10 years old, or when I finally start taking the Lord's Supper, then that's when I'll do what is right. Or when I uh, get a job, then I'll start doing what is right. Or when I move out, then I'll do what is right. No. At every level, God tells you to do what is right now. Obey your parents now. Now, the third thing is very, uh, very interesting. The Bible says that children of believers may receive lifelong blessings through their behavior as children. The Bible says that you can receive lifelong blessings through your behavior today and tomorrow and the next day. There are people who are 80 years old and they're having a rotten time when they're 80 years old and the reason they're having a rotten time when they're 80 is they did not learn obedience when they were 3, 4, 5, and 6. Now, this is, if you went out into the backyard and you found a little maple tree that was this high, you could get a piece of metal or, or something and you could bend it and then you could tie this little sapling, this little, um, uh, little tree to this piece of metal that was bent. And if you came back in 10, 20, 30 years, you would have a bent old tree and you couldn't, it'd be very hard to straighten it again. You couldn't really straighten it again. If you bend it when it's little, it'll be bent when it's grown. If it grows up straight when it's little if it, and it grows into a big tree and you come back 30 years later and you've got a trunk that's this big around, can you bend it then? No, you're not going to bend it then. In the same way, the Bible says if parents train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, the Bible tells you that when you learn obedience now and you learn honoring your parents now, that's a way for children to be upright. And that's a way for children to grow in an upright position. So when you obey now, if you're straight now, you will be straight later. If you're crooked now, you will be crooked later. And this is true whether or not your parents catch you. Your parents might not, may not catch you being bent. Your parents might not find out that you didn't really obey them when they told you to do something or that you uh, lied about something. They may not catch you, but God sees that. And if you're growing up bent, when you're older, you can't say, well, when I'm older and more responsible and other things have to, you know, a lot of good things have to be done by me, well, then I'll straighten up. Now, sometimes by the grace of God, God forgives adults, and we're very grateful that he does. And God undertakes the process of straightening out bent trees that were converted when they were, when they were grown. And we're very grateful that God straightens out grown-up bent trees. But it involves an awful lot. Right? There's, a, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into that, and it would be far easier on you to stay straight when you're small. And the Bible says that children of believers may receive lifelong blessings through their behavior as children. Another example is the example of a relay race. Some of you uh, may even run in... in um, in track, and in a relay race, you have one runner that will run a certain distance, and then they hand a baton to the next runner who has to run a distance, and then they hand this baton to another runner, and so on. Well, in a relay race, if one of the runners drops the baton, the race is over, at least for them. They drop the baton, that's, that's it. Now, what's happening is your time growing up in a Christian home, from the time you're born to the time you leave home to start a family of your own, that time is a transitional time. That's where your parents are handing the baton to you, and then you have to run on. And if you drop it, right? if they drop it or if you drop it, if the, if the transfer is not made, then the race is over as far as you're concerned. And if you receive the baton and you continue on, then that is the ordinary pattern. That's the ordinary blessing. And if you do that, God says if you learn how to receive from your parents what they have to give to you, then there's going to be a tremendous blessing for you 
down uh, down the road as you continue on. So children of bless uh, children of believers receive lifelong blessings through the obedience that they learn as children, through what they do as children. The fourth and fifth things are uh, come from verse four, where the instruction is given to the father. But the children of believers can learn something about this. It says, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. And incidentally, the flip side of this is children ought not to be easily provoked. Right? Fathers have a duty before God not to exasperate their children, not to tease them to the point of uh, where they, the children lose their tempers or to provoke them to wrath in other ways. Fathers are told by God uh, not to provoke their children. But you children, you have to make sure that you're not easily provoked, that you're not uh, close to the surface. But it says further that a father is supposed to bring up his children um, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, in the training and admonition of the Lord. It's very interesting, the word in the Greek underneath training, uh, another good translation for it would be education, right? Education. Uh, Christian fathers are required by God to bring up their children in the education of the Lord. Children may be brought up pro properly in the education of the Lord. Now, what this means is and your parents don't start educating you when you're six and you go to first grade or when you're five or six and your parents start homeschooling you. That's not when your education begins. That may be when your formal education begins, but your education begins when you're in the cradle. Your education begins when your mother's first holding you at the hospital. That's when your education begins. And fathers are supposed to see to it that the education that you receive from infancy on is a Christian education. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy elsewhere that he, Timothy, was brought up properly because he was taught the scriptures, it says, from infancy. From the time Timothy came home from the hospital. They didn't have hospitals like we do. But from the time Timothy was born, from infancy, he was taught the holy scriptures, Paul says. So this is an ordinary, very ordinary pattern. Lastly, children of believers may be brought up properly through godly warnings. That's what admonition means. Admonition means warnings. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. And you can, again, have at every level. If your dad tells you not to stand on the bicycle seat when you're going down a gravel road, there are probably good reasons for that. He doesn't appear to know it very much from your, your vantage point, but I think he knows a lot more about standing on bicycle seats than perhaps you do at the time. At the same time, when you're older and you start thinking, uh, well, What's wrong with doing this? Or what's wrong with doing that? And what's wrong with the other thing? When your, parent, when your parents warn you and your father warns you, the Bible says that they are supposed to be doing that. They're supposed to be educating you in the Lord, and they are supposed to be warning you in the Lord. This is their duty. So the corresponding duty for a child growing up in a Christian home is to receive that education. Right? As the father is bringing up his child in the education of the Lord, a child's duty is to receive that education and when a father or a mother warns you about certain behavior, if you do this, this will happen. You better not do that. This other thing will happen. We have a duty to receive warnings from our parents. Now, it's very important that we understand that this is God's normal and ordinary pattern. As I said before, the two things that I want you to walk away with is that it's a blessing to grow up in a Christian home. Growing up Christian is a blessing. Notice that it's connected to a promise. When you obey your parents in the Lord, it's the right thing to do. You learn how to honor your father and mother in the Lord. It's the right thing to do. And when you learn how to do this, it's, a, it's the first commandment with a promise that your life may go smoothly, that your life may be long in the earth. I hope you see that it's a very great blessing. 
Now we're also going to see that it's God's standard operating procedure. This is what God wants to do all the time. In the scripture it says that we are, to, as God's people, to see to it and work and pray toward the day when this happens over and over and over again so that it's the most ordinary thing in the world. It's a very great blessing and it's very ordinary. Now before we can understand this, I, I'm, I'm going to have us consider two things before we look at the passages that I have um, later on in the outline. The first thing is that when you look at God's word here in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, there are two responses you can have. One is belief, one is faith, and the other is lack of belief. You can look at it and believe that it's true, or you can look at it and not believe that it's true. God says, children, obey your parents, and he says there's a promise attached to this. This is the way I do business. This is the way I want to bless families. You as a child can look at this and believe it, or you can look at it and not believe it. It's very simple. You either believe what he says, or you say, no, I don't believe what he says. Now, if you see what he's saying here, and if you have faith, then you are in truth growing up like a Christian. Because Christianity always revolves around faith. It never revol revolves around church. It never revol revolves around knowing the hymn numbers. It never revolves around knowing all the p names of the people at church. That's, that's what we associate with growing up in church. But I'm not talking about growing up churchy. I'm talking about growing up Christian. Christian means that you have to grow up into faith. You have to understand and believe God and grow up in faith. That's growing up Christian. Anything else is growing up religious. But the world doesn't need more religious people. The, the world certainly doesn't need more religious kids. Lord, uh, religious kids, quite frankly, are obnoxious. Right? They're prissy. They're better than, you know, they're, they're holier than now. They say, oh, I don't do bad things like you do. They look down their nose at other people. We do not need holier-than-thou kids. We don't need self-righteous kids. We don't need uh, kids who are uh, do-gooders. We need kids who do good, but not do-gooders. Right? And it's very easy for some of you kids really like to color inside the lines. And when you uh, get a coloring book, you want to have everything just so, and you, and you love to tell on other people who are bad. This is particularly a temptation that you girls have. You can't believe that some of the, you can't believe some of the things your brothers do, and uh, they can't believe how what a great delight you take in running and telling your parents about it. Well, that it's what they're doing is a sin, and you running off to tattle is a sin. It's all a sin. So we have to re recognize that growing up, growing up Christian means that you have to grow up believing God. It doesn't mean that you grow up thinking you're really good. It means growing up thinking that God is really good, not that you are. Now, that's very important. So you have to grow up believing God. Do you believe what he says here? Now, the second thing is we have to understand something about the nature of children and the nature of families. And this might sound like I'm changing the subject here, but I'm, I'm not really. When God wants to create an angel, he creates an angel. If God wanted three angels, he would make three angels. If he wanted a hundred angels, he'd make a hundred angels, separately and distinct. If he wants five billion angels, it'd be, he'd create five billion angels. But if God wants to create five billion people, he creates two people. All right? God does not create us in the same way that he creates angels. We are all connected to one another. Another way of saying this is that we are all really, in some sense, cousins. Everyone in this room is related to everyone else. We're all related, not only through Adam and Eve, the first two people, but we're also related to one another through Noah and his wife. Everyone here is a cousin. Everyone here is a brother or a sister. God did not create you from scratch. 
God did not say, okay, I need another person and then make you. What he did is he created two people and he set a pattern in motion that, that, um, that sees to it that when more people come into the world, they come into the world through their parents. And those parents came into the world through their parents. Now, if I could give you another illustration of this. Think of it this way. Um, suppose you got a big sack of BBs, right? And you dumped the BBs on the floor. You'd see BBs everywhere. We'd, we'd spend weeks finding them. Months from now, we'd still find some behind a piano. And you'd have all these individual BBs. And it's very easy to see how these individual BBs are not connected to the others. They, they're very similar. They have similar attributes, but they're not connected. They're all separate. Well, that's one way of thinking of us. And we look around and we look at all the people here and we are tempted to count them like they were BBs. I say, oh, there's one person and there's another person. Yeah, they, they look similar, like BBs look similar. They've got two legs and two arms. And everybody looks similar, but they're all individual. They're all separate and they're all distinct. But that's not how the Bible teaches us to think of our families and our lives, our fathers, our mothers. It's more like looking at a tree. When you look at a tree, if you went around the outside of the tree and looked at all the twigs at the very end, you could have as many little twigs on the end of all the branches as you do BBs on the floor. But all these twigs are connected in the branches and then in the trunk. They're all interconnected. Now, when God made you, he brought you into the world through your parents. And he brought your parents into the world through their parents. And he brought their parents into the world through their parents. And so on, back to Adam and Eve. God does not create you distinct and separate from your family. God brought you into existence in your family. All right? You came into existence in your family, and you have to learn how to believe him and trust him there. You're not separate. You're not distinct. And this becomes... Um, you, you are a distinct person, and a, dist a distinct individual, but God did not create you separate from your family. And this is very important for you to understand. Now, I want to have you look at the outline. Uh, there are a number of different passages here, and rather than have you turn to them all uh, separately, I'd like to just read them off the outline. And, of course, as you discuss these with your parents, as you talk about them with your parents later, you can certainly look them up, and I encourage you to do that. This experience of growing up Christian is normal, not because a lot of people have had it. Right? A lot of people have had this experience. And so, of course, it's normal in that sense. But I'm not talking about normal that way. I'm saying that this is normal because this is the way God intends for it to be. When we think of the BBs versus the twigs, I want you to think that when God looks at his people, when God looks at a congregation of his people, when God looks at us, he's not looking at a bunch of disconnected angels. He's looking at people who are all related to one another. And I want you to see that when God thinks in terms of his servants and their children and their children and their children, I want you to learn that this is how God thinks. And because this is how God thinks, this is the way that we must learn to think. All right, this is how God thinks. And because we're Christians, we must learn to think in this same way. All right, let's look at the first one. Psalm 102, I began by reading. It says there in verse 28, The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. So you've got three groups of people here. God's servants, all right, God's servants, and then the children of God's servants, and then the descendants of those children. 
Do you see that? You've got God's servants, and then the children of God's servants, and then the descendants of those children. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. Now, this might be hard for you kids to grasp, but I want you to think of this for a minute. Each one of you will probably get married, right? And each one of you will probably one day be a parent, and your kids will probably get married, and they will probably have kids, and they will probably get married, and they will probably have kids. So it's not unreasonable for us to say of you kids that each one of you kids is probably the ancestor of hundreds and hundreds of people. Right? Someday, somebody 500 years from now is going to be doing some research on their family. They're going to get a family tree, and they're going to, they're going to find out what your name is. They're going to find out who you were, and you are their ancestor. And you came from somebody 500 years ago, and they came from someone 1,000 years before that. So when God speaks of generations and children, if this is a very normal pattern, but I want you to see that God wants us to believe by faith, or he wants us to believe that having children believe just like their parents and having their children believe just like their parents and having their children believe just like their parents is ordinary and normal. We should believe that God wants to do it this way. This is the way God thinks. The children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. It says, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. I should, I should say something here. This is for those who love him and keep his commandments. I don't want any of you kids to think that God's blessings for you are automatic. There are no automatic blessings. In God's covenant, nobody is automatically a Christian. Nobody is automatically going to heaven. Just because your parents are going to heaven doesn't mean that you're automatically going to heaven. It does mean that if your parents are obedient, you are ordinarily going to heaven. It does mean it's God's ordinary pattern to save the children of his people. That's what God wants to do. It's ordinary and it's normal, but it's not automatic. If you think that, well, my parents have faith, so I don't have to have faith, and I'm going to heaven even though I don't have faith. That's false. That's a wrong doctrine, and many that's one of the temptations you'll have to face, and I'll talk about that later. So it's not an automatic blessing. It's not an automatic blessing, but it is an ordinary blessing. God wants to do this normally and routinely. Look at this. It says, a thousand generations, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. Just to give you an idea how, uh, of how long that is, uh, the human race has not been in existence yet for a thousand generations. We haven't been here that long. All right? From Adam to now, it hasn't been a thousand generations. Now, God wants to keep covenant and keep covenant mercy with his people for a thousand generations. That's a long, long time. If you've measured a generation as 20 years, a thousand generations would be 20,000 years. That's three times longer than the human race has even been around. If you measured a generation as 40 years, a thousand generations would be 40,000 years. That's a long, long time. And God wants to keep covenant mercy with his believers, their children, their children's children, their children's children, and he wants to do it for a long, long time. This is God's intention. This is how God thinks. 
I know that it's difficult for you uh, to think that long. I mean, you know what it's like to go on a go, a, go on a trip, and you're driving across the country, and you know, 15 minutes outside of town, you ask your parents, "Are we there yet?" Because it's hard for you to imagine how long you have to drive, and it's very easy for you to think. For example, if you were having a foot race with one of your friends in the backyard and you said, I'm going to run over to that tree, I'll race you to that tree, you can see the tree, and how fast can you run? Well, you can run as hard as you want because you're just running to that tree. It's a sprint. You're just running all out. Well, suppose, you're, suppose for some reason you decided to run to Seattle right? or run to Pullman even. You would run and run and run and run, and you couldn't run at a fast pace. You'd, you would have to do what's called pacing yourself. You'd have to go slowly and steadily and make progress. I don't want you to be, listen to this sermon and then be obedient to your parents until four this afternoon when it gets tiring. Okay? I don't want you to hear this sermon and then say, okay, I'm going to run really fast. I'm going to be an obedient Christian kid till 4.30 until, until my parents tell me to do the first thing I don't want to do. Well, what you want to do is, is not that. You want to learn how to pace yourself and run methodically and slowly because what you're doing is not just running throughout your whole life, but you want to run in such a way that you teach your children how to run throughout their lives and their children how to run throughout their lives. And you want to be able to go and go and go because if you run, if you, if you are too zealous or too eager early on, it's going to cause problems. I remember one time a number of years ago, I ran to Pullman and I remember the sensation. It's a windy road all the way to Pullman and I remember how I told myself, surely it's going to be around the next bend, and it wasn't. And then I would say, surely it's going to be around the next bend, and it wasn't. And that happened over and over and over again. It was a long, long way. If you're going to run a long time, you have to learn what you're doing and set the pace and go steadily and slowly. Slow, um, slow deliberate, uh, focused obedience to your parents now. Not trying to be good in a little frenzy of spiritual activity. Your parents don't need a little frenzy of spiritual activity, of you throwing a little holy fit. Right? You don't, you're not supposed to throw a holy fit. You're supposed to be obedient and deliberate for a long, long time. All right. You go on to the next passage in Genesis 17. This is uh, God's word to Abraham when he established his covenant with Abraham. And I should say um, something about that here. This is something, as we look at the passages here, I want you to see that this is how God thinks. This is God's norm. This is how God wants you to think. And he thinks this way in the Old Testament. He thinks this way with the covenant with Abraham. In the Old Testament, when he's making promises about the new covenant, he thinks this way. We're going to look at passages that way. And in the New Testament itself, we have comments like this. God loves the children of his people. God loves the children of his people. You are included in his work. And that's the norm. That's what I want you to get. In Genesis 17, it says, uh, God says to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, throughout their generations. You shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, throughout their generations. So when God tells Abraham, you're going to do this thing that I told you, I made my covenant with you, and you're going to keep it, your kids are going to keep it. Their kids are going to keep it. And if anybody refuses to have faith, if anybody veers off through lack of faith, then they have broken the covenant. But God's pattern is to have this covenant go for generations. This is the normal thing that God wants to have happen. If you look at the next one in Ezekiel 37, uh, this one in Ezekiel and the one in Isaiah, both of these are prophecies of the time of the new covenant. Both of these are prophecies of the time of the new covenant. Then... 
They shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob my servant, where your fathers dwelt, and they shall dwell there, they, their children, and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. God's prediction for the time of the new covenant is that his people will dwell in the land, they, their children, and their children's children, and we don't stop there. When Jesus says uh, that you're to forgive your enemies 70 times 7, he doesn't mean that at 491 you get to pop him in the mouth. Right? He says 70 times 7 means that you keep on forgiving him. When he says to a thousand generations, he doesn't mean that you get to quit serving the Lord on the thousandth and first generation. And when he says here, uh, they, their children, and their children's children, he then adds that word that is very important, forever. God wants God's people, their children, and their children to serve him and never quit. That's the pattern. That's the ordinary process. You can see the same thing in Isaiah 65, if you look there. It says there, They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. Let me stop there and say something about that. Children, because children are a covenant blessing, this means that they are a covenant blessing or a covenant curse. Children who are brought up in the Lord are a very great blessing. Children who are not brought up in the Lord, children who don't learn obedience, are a very great grief to their parents. The Bible says that children are not an automatic blessing. Children are a blessing if they're brought up the way God requires them to be brought up. If they serve the Lord, they're a great blessing. If they're not brought up that way, they're not a great blessing. Samuel, you recall in the Old Testament, had two sons, and both of his sons became corrupt. Both of his sons took bribes. Samuel was a, a man who loved God, but his sons took bribes, and they perverted justice. Well, Samuel would not have been more greatly blessed if he had five sons who took bribes instead of two. Right? You, do you see that? Children are not an automatic blessing. Well, God promises his people that there's going to come a time when, they, when um, they will not labor in vain and they will not bring forth children for trouble. Have you ever been in a supermarket or a restaurant with your parents? And I hope your parents, when they drove you to the supermarket, warned you all the way there uh, to behave yourself and not grab for things and not pull things off the shelf and, and to behave yourself while, you, while you're there. But have you ever been in a public situation where you saw some other kid that you didn't know flipping out and throwing things and... and and your eyes got big, and are they allowed to do that? Is that legal? Where, you know, where are the police? What, what's, what's happening here? Well, biblically, they're not permitted to do that. They're not permitted to throw a fit. But when they're throwing a fit in the aisle of a supermarket when they're five years old, they have brought forth a child for trouble. Because when that child is 10 years old and 15 years old and 20 years old, the grief only gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I remember one time when I was a small boy standing in the back of our yard this was in Annapolis, Maryland. My mom was talking with a neighbor lady over the fence. And the neighbor lady had some teenage children, or teenage son, I think. And her son was out of control in some respect. I don't know what he was doing, but it was some, he was in trouble. She had brought forth a child for trouble. And this woman said to my mother, just you wait. You know, your turn is coming. All right? Just you wait. Your turn is coming. Your kids are going to grow up and they're going to be a grief to you. Just like my son is a grief to me. My, and my mother took us all inside and had a talk with us. <laughs> you know, all right. All right. Well, what we want to do is recognize that children of believers don't have to be a grief to their parents. The ordinary pattern is for the children to grow up 
and to bless their parents and, have, and for the parents to bless the day when God gave this child to us. They will, and God promises his people that this is, this is part of his purpose for his church through history. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble, for they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Now, do you see how God thinks? God thinks not only of his servants, but of his servants' descendants and his descendants' offspring with them. God wants you to think this way. He thinks this way. He wants you as God's people and you as the children of God's people to think in the same way. Look at um, Isaiah 59. This is just a few chapters earlier. And this is Isaiah's prophecy of the new covenant. This is Isaiah's prophecy of the days that we're living in now. This is God's promise. This is God's covenant for us. In Isaiah 59, As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. God loves to bless his people. And one of the greatest blessings that God can give to his people is blessed descendants. One of the greatest blessings that God can give a man and a woman who serve God is to give them the blessing of children who serve God. And not only that, but grandchildren who serve God. And not only that, but great-grandchildren who serve God. And not only that, and it keeps going. But it doesn't keep going if you have a little fit of holy activity Sunday afternoon. That's not how it keeps going. This means what we're talking about is learning to honor and obey your parents three weeks from now, ten weeks from now, when the memory of this sermon is dim. You have to learn to obey for the long haul. You have to learn to obey over a long period of time. Look at Psalm 103, the next one, number seven. Psalm 103. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Remember, it's not automatic. Just because your parents fear God doesn't mean this blessing comes to you automatically. You must fear God. You must believe him. But it is from everlasting to everlasting for those who fear him, for those who believe him. And his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant and those who remember his commandments to do them. Now, I'm reading a bunch of verses, basically, that say the same thing over and over and over. And the reason I'm doing this is I want you to see how ordinary and normal it is. I'm saying this over and over because the Bible says this over and over. I'm saying this again and again because the Bible says this again and again. And it's very important because this particular passage in Psalm 103 is um, quoted by our Lord's mother. Jesus Christ's mother, Mary, did not say, well, that was all in the Old Testament. And now in the New Testament, uh, God forgets the children of his people. It's not that way in the New Covenant. In, when Jesus came, this was not the time when God cut off the children of his people. The time of the New Covenant was when God began to gloriously fulfill his promises concerning the children of his people. And Mary, the Lord's mother, knows this because when she, in, in Luke chapter 1, when she is praising God, she quotes this psalm. She quotes this verse. She knows that the arrival of her son, the arrival of her son is a fulfillment of God's promise to his people. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness, God's righteousness, not ours, God's righteousness is to children's children. So Mary quotes this, applying very clearly all these wonderful Old Testament promises 
are yes and amen in the New Testament. All these wonderful promises are not abrogated in the New Testament. They begin to be fulfilled in a wonderful way in the New Testament. And then in Acts chapter 2, if you turn uh, there or look at it on the outline, in Acts chapter 2, in the very first Christian sermon, Peter is, is preaching to uh, some Jews in Jerusalem. And one of the things he tells them in the sermon is repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children. Now, when God comes, he gives the promise to you, to the believers. Repent and believe, be baptized to you believers. The promise is to you and to your children. But again, it's not automatic. And to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. All right, so you must be called. You yourself must be called. You yourself must learn to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not automatic, but it is ordinary. It's not automatic, but it should be a normal pattern. We should see it all the time. We should not see uh, Christians in uh, churches and, and just expect kids to grow up and then fall away. That should not be the ordinary pattern. The ordinary pattern should be kids growing up and following in the faith of their parents. Now, it's, if something happens all the time, it's easy to take it for granted. It's easy to take it for granted. For example, every day, every time you sit down at breakfast or, or lunch or dinner, you thank the Lord for your food. I, I hope you thank the Lord for the food. And because food is so plentiful in our culture and in, in our time, because food is so uh, abundant, it's very easy, isn't it, to take the food for granted and you just go through the motions and you thank the Lord for the food. Thank you, Lord, for the food. In Jesus' name, amen. And and it's a sin to take our gratitude for granted and take the food for granted. But you don't have to put the food away in order to learn how to thank God. You should learn how to be thankful all the time with the food there. You shouldn't have to wait until the food's gone to thank him for it. What you should do is learn how to thank God and be grateful and to appreciate the food when the food is there. And God wants you as Christian kids growing up in a Christian home to be grateful for your Christian home while the home is there. Now, your Christian home, if it's anything like all the Christian homes that I know of, your Christian home is not a perfect Christian home. A Christian home is not a home where there's no sin. A Christian home is not a, a home where nothing ever goes wrong. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. What do you do with the temptations that come up in a Christian home? Your Christian home is not a perfect home. Some of you may even have been in a situation where one of your parents is a Christian and the other parent is not a Christian. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7 that if there's one believing parent, as far as God is concerned, that is a Christian home. The children are sanctified because of the one believing parent. So there are many differences, many uh, different situations, and there are reasons why you might be tempted not to be thankful. But this is your duty, to learn to be thankful for God's blessing for a Christian home. And you should learn to be thankful even though it's going on all around you. If your parents are good parents, they're going to see to it that you're, you spend a lot of time with other kids who have the same blessing that you do. Right? They're not going to send you down the street to learn how to curse and swear like a sailor. They're going to send you to, uh, to play together with other believing kids from believing homes. And so you're going to grow up with all this around you all the time. And you're going to grow up around kids who have the same thing around them all the time. And it'd be very easy to take it for granted. It'd be very easy for it to become very ordinary. But you should learn how to thank God for it while it's there. You should learn how to thank God for it while it's there. So what do we conclude with? Growing up Christian is based not upon our goodness, not upon your parents' goodness. 
It's not upon your goodness. Growing up Christian is based upon God's goodness. Not upon ours, not upon your parents, but growing up Christian is based upon God's goodness. Secondly, it's a very great blessing. And thirdly, it is a very ordinary blessing. God thinks this way, and we should learn as Christians to think this way. So what I'd like to do is conclude with this, and this is something I'm addressing to you kids, and this is something that you can understand to varying degrees depending on um, how old you are and how much you've been taught the Word of God. But when you look at Ephesians 6, and it says, Children, obey your parents, and it says that this commandment is given to you, and there's a promise attached to it. And, of course, we learn that there's a promise underneath it. When you look at God's word like this, and you look at God's word concerning his blessing for families and for generations, do you believe, do you believe as kids that your grandchildren, more than that, do you believe as kids that your great-great-great-great-grandchildren are going to love the Lord Jesus Christ? If you look at God's word and you say, well, I don't know my great-great-great-grandchildren. I don't know their names. I don't know, well, that's not the issue. Do you, do you see that in the Bible, God has said, He's the one that has to do it. You don't do it. God is the one that does it, but he uses an instrument to accomplish this. And the instrument that he uses is faith, always faith, the faith of your parents and your faith, the same faith that you, that you receive from them and were taught by them. And then you pass that faith on to your children. The instrument that God uses is faith. So I want to ask you, do you believe that your great-great-great-grandchildren are going to love Jesus Christ? Do you believe that your children are going to grow up and marry a Christian who loves Jesus Christ? And they're going to bring up their children to love Jesus Christ. And their children are going to bring up their children to grow up and love Jesus Christ. This is how God thinks. And, and I would like to suggest to you that one of the reasons the world that you're growing up in is such a mess, and our culture and our country around us is such a great mess, is because God's people have forgotten this. God's people have forgotten God's ordinary means of blessing his people, and that's through faithful transmission of the gospel and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Now, as you talk about this with your parents, remember, it's, God good, it's God's goodness, not our goodness. Remember that it's a very great blessing, and remember that according to the Bible, it's a very ordinary blessing. It's a routine blessing. It's a blessing that God wants to give a lot. And the Bible prophesies and predicts not only does he want to give it a lot, but he will give it a lot. And as the years go by, he's going to give it more and more and more. Let's thank the Lord together. Father, we are very grateful that you have placed us in families. We thank you that you've given us fathers and mothers. Father, we thank you that your blessings are very great, and we know that we don't understand a lot about them. Father, I pray that as, as we discuss this in our families and as we discuss this with our parents, I pray that you would give us understanding, not because we deserve to have it, but because we ask for this understanding in Jesus' name. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode, check out the full series, Growing Up Christian, on the Canon app.